welcome to the Aeronauts Podcast, dear listeners. My name is Boss, and together we meet, we have Vincent and Kiat. And we will be discussing about past, present, and the future of aviation. Before we go ahead, hi, gentlemen. How are both of y'all? Busy with work lately, but still, still surviving. Okay, that's good. That's good. How about yourself, Vincent? How are you? Same, same as always. No difference. So, uh, anything interesting the both of y'all did this week? I know there are a few events that actually happened, but just maybe uh, give a brief insight of what happened. Well, um, it's just work and work and work for me this week. So, um, it's a non-stop project. So, every week there'll be a new project for me. All right. Um, anything interesting in the sports arena? If you're a Manchester United fan, Ronaldo is back. Anyways, yeah, I, um, now, now, now that sports is allowed, so I managed to get around the golf. All right, all right, that's good. What about what about you, boss? Actually, uh, it's been very mundane, very mundane because um, I just went to work for two days and then I was at home. Yeah, that's it. I I I was at home the whole time. I didn't go out. I didn't have any sports events. Not really a sports person, so yeah, that, 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 that's it. Traditionally, normally those who actually um, host the show will be asking questions. However, we have done it, to, I mean, today's episode we are doing it slightly differently, where Kiat will be hosting the show. So I hand over the mic to you. Thanks, boss. Yeah, welcome. Flying had been the dream of human beings for several centuries before it was finally accomplished. In today's generation, the amount of air traffic has surprised many. According to the International Civil Aviation Organization, or ICAO, aircraft are taking off around the world at a rate of over 400 departures per hour. And that's only for scheduled commercial traffic. Air transport takes not just people around the world, but cargo as well, like bees pollinating the earth with economic wealth and riches. Air transport has tremendously laid the groundwork on a more globalized society, further developing the economic and social sustainability of several nations. In this episode, we want to know how it all began. We begin in the past. The dream of human flight is said to have begun with our old ancestors' observation of birds soaring through the sky above them. Boss, there are several early legends or myths of human flight recorded in human archive. You particularly mentioned Icarus the other day during our internal discussion. Could you tell us what happened in that story and what makes this story so significant and what importance does it bring to aviation? Okay, as mentioned earlier, um, myths of human flight recorded in human archive. It's not necessarily only restricted to Icarus. I mean, we have been... I know this is slightly far-fetched, lah, but uh, we have come from a part where, you know, angels can fly, you know, some people come Ooh. to the sky and all these things also. You know, it's just one of those yeah. things that... The, the, the curiosity of humans on flying actually would have 
put as it actually predates even before that. Huh. But why I specifically chose Icarus, um, some people may think that the the story of Icarus is you know you're not supposed to you know you should know where your 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 limit is and rather. But the reason why I brought up Icarus is actually simply because you know he was his father and himself like the father created wings for him made out of wax. Oh, okay. For him to fly, right? So that is why I I I, I came into that context lah. Like the curious curiosity of humans begin to fly even around that time. Okay. So it is significant in a sense where. People actually believe that one day humans will be able to fly, so that is why. Yeah, and it came true. Yeah, it took them long time, lah. But yeah, it did come true. So yes. <laughs> okay. Um. Before the Wright brothers, many inventors have tried and flirted with the ideas of flying through their inventions. Which one you guys think is the most memorable or came the closest? Before the achievement of the famous Wright brothers, Vincent, you want to answer this? Yeah, um, sure. Um, I think the closest that I actually came across in by search uh, searching him, that would be Felix. How do I pronounce his name? Felix du Temple de la Croix, which uh, he's actually a French naval officer. Received a patent for actually fly for a flying machine in eighteen fifty seven. This way, almost fifty years before Wright brothers, right? Actually, this version has never flown, but um, the steam engine design was eventually used to power boats in the later years. Ah, so okay. um, here's a bit of a story, lah. So by in eighteen seventy four, he developed a lightweight steam powered monoplane, which flew short distances under its own power after takeoff from a ski jump. I think I think that. It was just a brief six or seven seconds, which the the wheels was above the air. So right. using using steam to power an airplane. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wow. That. Um, Actually, if you want, you can search search it up. It's called the Du Temple monoplane. Ah. So okay. it's actually a steam powered aircraft made of aluminium. Okay. Right. So so it says that the aircraft is actually very compact, high speed circulation, steam engine. You know. And then eventually he applied for patent, and he got it. So you're trying to say that he came close, he came the closest to the Wright brothers uh, model. I would say yes, but the Wright brothers managed to you know put it out on the air, uh, way longer than than he did. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. We can't we can't fly an aeroplane for like six seconds, right? <laughs> Okay. But the one that uh, just now Vincent was tell, talking about Felix de Temple uh, is actually uh, he discovered it in eighteen um, sorry eighteen fifty seven. Ah, okay. He designed it. Also, really close to the period where the Wright brothers also managed their. Actually, their the Wright brothers they they started around nineteen o three, which is about fifty years in gap, lah. So, give and take fifty years ish. Okay. okay. Any other? Inventions that you guys think that came close compared to uh, closest to the to the achievement of the Wright brothers. The closest I could think of is actually uh, Da Vinci. Ah, oh, okay. Isn't he I... from the the fifteenth century? Yes, he is. He did 
have sketches of uh, the modern day helicopter lah. In other words, uh, but it, in, uh, if not mistaken, it was called uh, the Omnitropter. Uh, 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 I mean, from based on the archives, it's it was sketched in the fourteen hundred, fourteen eighties. Ah, okay. I honestly do not know whether he did materialize it in flying it or not, but that sounds a lot like helicopters in helicopter in today's term. Yes, like I said, it, it's like a very modern day helicopter, but because Omni is more like multi-directional, so. It's a type of flying device that could move hmm. in any direction. So it it's practically like a helicopter. Ah, okay. Why 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 did you think that his his design wasn't successful? I would say that the because um, steam engines actually uh, most probably actually appeared after like eighteen hundreds. They couldn't really discover or find a way to make it run by itself like an engine. Okay. Yeah. But again, I could be wrong. Honestly speaking, if at all the discovery of biofuel did not really occur, I would ah, say okay. steam steam engine engine aircrafts would have been would, would be the current trend right now. Yeah, I would not be surprised. But with the biodiesel biofuel kind of uh, invention, uh, discovery was there. So you know, we have that right now. Yeah. Thank the uh, Earth for biofuel, huh? Thank the dinosaurs for biofuel, actually. But yeah. yes, <laughs> as we all know, the Wright brothers were the first to demonstrate that the basic technical problems had been overcome at the start of the twentieth century. What follows soon is the rapid development of military and civil aviation. The small invention that was made in nineteen o three by the Wright brothers has had a profound impact on the world. What did they solve? What did you think made made them and their inventions successful, and many others failed, such as the Da Vinci Omnitropter in the fifteenth century, Marquis de Becqueville pedals of the seventeen forty two, Jean Marie Labris artificial albatross of the eighteen fifty six, Clement Adair's Avion the third of the eighteen ninety seven. And Samuel Langley's aerodrome of the nineteen zero three. What did you think that Wright brothers had that special thing that made them successful in aviation? Based on what I've 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 read, they actually owe their success to many failures of other aviation pioneers before them. So basically, for example, Sir Otto Lindenso he died in an eighteen ninety six glider accident. So the Wright brothers deduced from the failure that his attempt to control his craft by shifting his body was not the best way to attack the problem. So eventually, they they improved based on that, and they they made very mm. a few scientific research, and and they basically just just managed to do it while others can't. But actually, come to think of it, it's a thumb rule amongst uh, crew. In the in the aviation business, always learn from others' failures. You don't become part of the failure. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I think Just now something. I actually grasp that idea right now. So, dear listeners, you heard that you we should always learn from our histories, and we should always know our history. Yeah.
so uh so we just went through uh the past of aviation so now let's go to the present of aviation okay the number of planes in existence today and what they can do individually is astonishing as mentioned at the beginning there are so many things that can be accomplished with airplanes the foremost being traveling ar around the globe connecting with people in a matter of hours uh boss and vincent how many and what are some of the aircraft that we can see in our skies today? If the common aircraft that we Malaysians know is kind of very restricted, it's either a Boeing, an Airbus, or a Fokker. Even though I'm flying an ATR, they still call it a Fokker. So, uh -huh. I don't know what? why. How do you spell it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Jake it, got a shock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Boss, don't, don't curse. K-K-E-R. It's Fokker. Ah, okay. Yeah, it, it almost had me, had me there. Yeah. I mean, the common layman understanding is they only know three. It's either a Boeing, an Airbus, a Fokker, or Concorde actually visited us in the 1980s. So, yeah, familiar with the Concorde as well. So, these are the aircraft that they're familiar with. If around the world, I, I let Vincent shine right now. So, Vincent, it's your turn. You're saying all around the world, people are more familiar with the Emirates, ATR, uh, sorry, Emirates, Etihad, Saudi Air, those planes uh, that they are operating. So basically, like you're saying about 350, 380, 787, the 777s. Oh. Yeah, those, those are the, the most common aircraft that you can see on the air right oh, now. Okay. Unless you're talking about private planes, then uh, those are different private jets. Private jets, I'm actually, I, I know one or two la. That, that's like, like, like the Cessna Citation or... Beechcraft. Beechcraft. Yeah, it's a King Air Beechcraft, but it's more towards, I, I noticed the police, like they use that. Oh, yeah. police have their own search and rescue plane as well. No, search and rescue has uh, one aircraft and the police have one aircraft and the military also has their own aircraft, so... They don't share. Okay. I thought usually search and rescue, usually we will use helicopters. I think it depends on the situation. What's the biggest uh, airplane that we can find in Malaysia? Uh, usually the biggest will be cargo, right? Or there won't be a bigger passenger plane. Okay, the largest passenger plane we have is actually the Airbus 380-800 series, which can accommodate... Uh, in full economy, if not mistaken, it go up to about 900. But with a three-class configuration, with business class, first class, and economy, uh, we can go about 555 on average, right? Uh, mm. But when it comes to, because it's a full double-deck uh, aircraft, yeah, it's a full double-deck aircraft, right? When it mm. comes to cargo, it's either the 747s, or lately they have introduced the Airbus 330s, and I don't know whether you are aware or not, the most famous, only one aircraft in the world that you can find is called the Antonov 225. Oh, okay. What? What they, is that? Okay, that's the largest cargo airline in the world. It has six engines and it has so many wheels. Uh, the number that I could think of on one side is 16. Okay carries cargo normally uh actually it came to kuala lumpur uh like four years back even came to uh 
the airport that I work in as well, they were delivering helicopters. They would, they normally come and deliver trains. You know the 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 oh, monorail okay. and the, the locomotive trains that actually in uh, yeah. that, that is running around around here. Yeah. Yeah, they're actually brought in through those aircrafts. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they uh, are like quite this... big, but their range is very restricted. So if I'm not mistaken, they can go uh, because of the weight of the cargo that they're carrying. They only can go for like a certain distance. So maybe they can fly like four hours straight. They can't go more than four hours and all that. You know? Wow. Right. I think that the achievement of the manufacturers over the last 20 or 30 years have been remarkable. The biggest innovation in the airline industry over the last 10 years or so actually has been on durability, revenue management, fuel efficiency, pricing innovation, as opposed to more modern innovations such as faster speeds or more space flight capabilities. What are your thoughts on that? Gone the times where our fuel prices are cheaper than water. I mean, you as an uh, accountant, I think you know, at the end of the day, everything comes to dollars and cents. Yeah, it's true. Right? So, yeah. Uh, but since aviation or airline industry is actually a business industry, it's still running on finances and costs. And... To a certain extent, we all know um, with globalization, fuel will deplete maybe in another 50 years, in another five, uh, another 100 years, but it is depleting. So what is the next alternate so that they can make money and keep people traveling with the limited amount of fuel? So they are finding innovations to be much more efficient for every one buck of uh, fuel I pay. Oh, okay. To more to have to be more cost conservative. Cost- uh. the, like, the the lesser fuel I use the better uh, to get to eight point from point A to B. Yes. Like the seven four seven per hour, if I'm not mistaken, it, it burns about ten tons of fuel. Ten tons, and- which means it's yeah, that's quite a lot, actually. Yeah, that, that, it burns like that much of fuel, you know, uh, for one hour. And the air, uh, because it's using four engines, right? So then a triple seven carrying the same amount of passengers is actually burning half of that with the same distance. Uh, Qatar Emirates, they are attacking like Boeing and also Airbus like to give them the most cargo capacity, more, more, more range. Mm. For less amount of fuel, kind of thing. So the, always the airlines will work with the with with the, with the uh, I mean with the aircraft developers, R and D. So, but when you meant uh, opposed to fancy new aircraft, what do you mean by that? Actually, like let's say we can we could probably have a all glass, uh, all glass surface aircraft, so that everyone can enjoy the view better, or maybe we can go faster like in terms of reaching probably from New York to London at probably two hours, those kind of innovation. Okay, uh, the glass one is actually a hazard because glass is not strong enough. So when we land and when it is going beyond its limit, it breaks and then it will kill everybody. So uh, you will not use that. <laughs> yeah, basically it's just a question. What are your thoughts on that? This is basically what I noticed for us. Safety is priority. So we need the particular 
aircraft to be strong and it should be safe for people to actually go on board and okay then. yeah and from there it comes to cost and then efficiency it it, it it's always in that order like in other words yeah so making it out of glass yeah uh, even i wouldn't fly that <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's scary can you imagine when you're sitting on your seat and then you see down floor uh, down below and then you can see like everything is like you're actually yeah. floating in air it's kind of scary so... yeah <laughs> so i think safety is the number one priority like when it comes to innovating an air- aircraft is it yeah safety is priority okay so, uh we have just moved past the present of aviation now let's move to the future concord the first supersonic passenger commercial uh, carrying commercial flight it did carry passenger at a point in time what happened to it would you like to see the comeback of concord for my opinion it's just like what you've boss just mentioned uh, safety safety comes first the reason Concorde was retired is because of you know a couple of incidents, accidents. Yeah, if 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 they can manage to find find ways of making sure the plane doesn't explode mid-air or, or or whatnot, then yeah, I I don't see any problem there. So, in the future, we will be we we are still able to see uh, a supersonic jet. I'll just backtrack a little bit. Okay, the Concorde actually was. Um, created in the 1970s to actually, you know, like how the Americans were fighting with the Russians to go to space first and go to the moon first and then go to the sun first kind of uh, the space fight. War. Yeah. Space war kind of thing. I know they didn't go to the sun, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Icarus did that. Uh, Look what happened. Yeah, and then he melted and then the wings melted and then he fell and he died. So, yeah. <laughs> now, similarly, when okay, Concorde was a consortium under Aerospatial uh, by a few of these uh, European countries to fight with Tupolev with the Tupolev uh, series Tu one four four. So they did few trials on that, and then you know it crashed. So they are they were actually fighting with that. But similarly, at that same time, mm. Boeing also created a supersonic aircraft. They called it the SST. Now. Ever because at the even I, I don't know whether Boeing projected it even at that time or uh, maybe they 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 realized that it was too pricey to run it or something like that. They decided not to do it because it was too expensive. And even like for the Concorde, a lot of airlines like famous airlines like Qantas, Singapore, United, the American Delta. They all decided to buy them, and then last minute, end of the day, only two airlines bought them. One was Air France, the other one was British Airways. And Singapore Airlines leased it a wee half year, where the liveries of the Concorde was actually divided into two. One side was Singapore Airlines, the other side was actually British Airways. Ah, uh, right. So interesting. Um, yeah, actually, the main cause of why the Concorde didn't really survive was one. The fuel cost was too high. That's why it actually started flying after the crash for two years, and they just decided to call it off uh, because the fuel cost between for a short flight was too too high, and we were having the oil crisis ah. at the time. So they just called it off, knowing that supersonic flights have uh, sonic booms, which is quite bad, where it actually breaks people's houses, glasses, and and things. So and it's quite noisy. Uh, 
Yeah, so that is why that's why the Concorde was technically a failure, lah. Okay. Yeah. What about yourself? Yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. What about you? I would love to see the comeback of Concorde, being able to travel at at such supersonic speed from one side of the Earth to another. Sounds exhilarating. It will also save us a lot of time, as we can travel from New York to London in just a matter of hours. Yeah. Okay. Elon Musk proposed a city-to-city tra- uh, travel by rocket, using interplanetary rocket system for long-distance travel on Earth, cutting significant travel times for human. Would we see a cross-planet flight in the future? Space rockets being flown by pilots. I think if you said flown by pilots, yeah, maybe the pilot will be sitting at home flying the thing. That's it. Like <laughs> basically playing a video game. Automated is good, but flying it remote, I would not be on that plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I wouldn't want to be a passenger on that flight. Yeah. Actually, uh, come to think of it, yeah, it's it's actually quite scary. The human kind has a very bad behavior where if if I'm not on it, if anything happens, it's not really my problem. So anything happens, whatever. Yeah. Imagine, imagine the Wi-Fi got cut. Yeah. What happens next? <laughs> like I said, uh, I would not want to be on that plane. <laughs> so, uh, when you ask about interplanet traveling, I do see it, but not too soon. Maybe another fifty to hundred years. I mean, NASA has been going through uh, sending drones to Mars to see whether it's uh, hospitable, and they mm. have been, they have found places of sources of water. So they are actually doing few experiments there right now. So let's just see. Uh, probably in another fifty years, I would not be surprised that there will be a group of humans having a mini colonization in Mars. Next yeah. thing you know, it's going to be like uh, like Star Wars, where you know, there's going to be planet Tatooine, and then there is going to be this planet, <laughs> and then there's be that planet, and everybody's yeah. going to be fighting for it. So it's just going to be, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun now to have a trip to Mars in the future. In the future, I have a feeling it's going to be something like it's going to be fun. Like we're going to Bali or we're going to Australia. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> yeah. like that. Talking about that, we could really use a holiday right now. Wait lah, just just. I have yeah. a feeling. Uh, according to WHO, I believe it's around twenty twenty four. So, uh, okay, Kiat, since you brought up the moon lah, okay. okay. Given the chance for you to travel with the moon, why would you want to spend your weekend in the moon, boss? I would say I'm. I'll be pretty excited about it. Being able to be the first one to set foot, uh, to be the first to set foot on the moon, would wouldn't you think that that is a good good thing? That's true. But the one I wouldn't want to miss while being up there is the view of Earth from the moon. Seeing this great blue marble with white swirls around it must be a truly spectacular view, and dream to many. Don't you think so, boss? I would agree in that. <laughs> Let's touch a bit about the air taxi concept. Um, the Malaysian government have recently encouraged the development of air taxi vehicles. 
which sounds incredibly futuristic and optimistic for a developed nation like us. What do you think? Is it realistic? Okay, I'm looking forward to listen to Vincent's side of this because I know he has a lot of things he likes to say about this. So what do you I think? Mean, Is it realistic? Of course it's realistic. I believe in Malaysian government. Right. So now I will say about my view uh, whether it's realistic or not. To be honest, it's a good initiative by the government of Malaysia to actually uh, encourage development for the air taxi services. Is it realistic or do I see it happening soon? Not for the time being. If you're asking me whether I would see back to the future kind of lifestyle, yeah, it's not going to be happening anytime soon. It's going to be in another a long time in the future. Nope. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Uh, I, I don't know what I'll say. If you're imagining it like that, then yeah, not anytime soon. As it is, our drivers around the world is one of the safest. Can you imagine if all of them start having, uh, seeing having flying cars? Can you imagine? <laughs> We'd be crashing into each other. Like, yeah. Dear listeners, we have come to the end of our episode. We hope you enjoyed today's topic where we have gone through the past, present, and future of aviation. We talked a bit about Icarus and Da Vinci and his invention all the way to the success of the Wright brothers. We also talked about, a bit about the type of aircraft we get to see in our skies today. We also went into future innovations of aviation and where and what might it look like in the years ahead. It was one great and fun topic for the three of us. We hope you might be looking forward to our next episode as we will be going into how airplanes work. So um, feel free to join us and send us your queries at our social media platforms at Instagram. Facebook as well as uh, Twitter at AER0NUTS at AER0NUTS Feel free to contact us if you have any questions and anything you'd like to share with us it's a wrap Thank you very much guys Thank you